the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, the 93.9 KPDQ FM Network, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640, The Patriot, 93.1 L-Ray, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk to you about how to introduce our audience to your church through our church service live stream directory, how you could possibly qualify for hosting your own radio program, how you can become an authority and expand the reach of your ministry or business both on the air and through our state-of-the-art digital and online resources through our Salem Surround Marketing Branch, how to host one of our station's events after the world reopens, and it will someday, and that way you could bring people to your church or business at no risk to you. And most importantly, if you've got a pastor who could use a phone call, a note, a word of encouragement, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Our very special guest is a Bible teacher, motivational speaker, ministry consultant, certified life and spiritual coach. She is the author of the 2019 book, Rejected to Accepted, Learning to Love Myself After Adversity, as you may have heard on her interview on The Georgine Rice Show. She's also the founder, president, and CEO of Royal One Enterprise, an empowerment company that helps women to discover their purpose, embrace their identity, and engage their faith tenaciously. So welcome, Dr. LaSandra Barnes. How are you today, sister? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. And in fact, you may remember that Lysandra appeared on Difference Makers in the past alongside Dr. Mark Strong and Life Change Church in 2016. And Lysandra, I first met you filming a video for Ignite 2015 at Western Seminary. Yes, it's been so long, but I knew in that moment that we we had a really great connection that we would, you know, continue to grow and build friendship in that time. And who would have thought that we would be here today still communing with one another? And you've done a lot of speaking engagements since then. But first of all, I want to congratulate you on your recent doctorate. You must be very grateful for the opportunity to go so high in your education. I see that you are a life and spiritual coach certified by New Skills Academy, who received her Bachelor of Science degree from Michigan State University, your Master of Divinity from Western Seminary, and now, most recently, your doctorate in ministry from George Fox University. So you're a bit of a scholarly one, aren't you? You know, I am. I love to learn. Growing up, um, I remember my mom would always take us to the library. From, I think, kindergarten on up, we would always go to the library on Saturday mornings and get like a week's worth of books. And from that point, I knew that I, I love to read, I love to learn, and I, I 
love to continue to grow in different fields. And so I've had the ability to, you know, be a scientist. So that was my, my science side and my academic side. And then I felt the call to ministry. So I went to seminary. So now I just can't stop learning. And then I wanted to be a life coach and I just keep learning. So that's one thing that I love to do is to learn, learn, learn. And I tell everyone reading, it, they, we say it all the time. Reading is fundamental, but it allows you to really step into another world, expand your vocabulary and really just, you know, find out so much about everything in life. Anything you want to know, you can find it in a book. I have always admired what a woman of God you are, Lysandra, and the fact that you are a driven, educated young woman, someone I would want to put in front of my daughters as a role model or someone to look up to. And it seems like your mom may have been one of your mentors. So tell us about your relationship and growing up. Oh, man, my mom was the best. She, for me, is the... I. She's the epitome of the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, she, she just definitely, she's a businesswoman. She has her own business, um, but she's also a phenomenal woman of God. And I think for me, that's where I first was introduced to a real relationship with Jesus because I would see her at home. She would be reading her Bible, worshiping praying, fasting, all of the spiritual formation, you know, that you, we talk about at church, but I saw her do it on a daily basis and how, you know, as a single mother to see how she really allowed God, she lifted us up to say that God is our father and would just lead our household in that way. And I love the fact that she was real with her faith. So who she was on Sunday was the same person she was on Monday through Saturday. And it, it was the drive that showed me that if I want to know that Jesus, I want to know, I want to have a relationship with that, the guy that she's talking about. I want to know him. And that, that solidified my faith. In addition to that, she has, you know, she's a um, accountant. So to see how, you know, she really loved to work her business, her own business, as well as working at a university. And I just, I, I got, I get my drive from her and, you know, anything I can do, she says, meet every challenge. The sky is the limit, you know, and I'm just so grateful to her um, that I can look up to her and, and, and know that I can do anything because I can see my mom reaching all of her goals as well. And, you know, I could just sing her praises over and over and over um, just to see how much of a woman that, the you know, without even trying, she was just living her life. And I can just see how much I've just followed that, that same routine. And I've just really mirrored my life to hers. And I'm just so grateful that God allowed me to have such a loving and caring and confident and uplifting mother in my life. One of the best compliments I think a parent could get would be, you're exactly the same to the public as you are at home. So I'm glad that your mom was able to set that example before you, Lysandra. So did you say that she worked in the education field? And is that one of the motivating factors that drove you to go so far in your education? Um, yeah. She. The thing is, with my mom, she always wanted to get her doctorate. And she never was able to finish her degree. And so I remember hearing that, I think about fourth or fifth grade that she wanted to have a doctorate. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do it one day. And I never said anything to anybody about it. And I was okay with my bachelor's, but then I was like, I think I want more. And then I got my master's. And then I said, you know what? I think I want more. And so uh, when I finished my degree, I told my mom, I said, mom, this degree is for you because I remember what you said when I was younger about getting a degree and, you, and it didn't happen. So I've got my degree for you. 
and she, you know, she cried and we just felt like that was so sweet. But, you know, I, I definitely just love to learn and meet every challenge. And that's just how, how it goes. So, Lissandra, you mentioned that you're raised by a single mom. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, three other siblings. I have an older sister, an older brother, and a younger brother. And are you relatively close in age, and are you tight with each other to this day? We are all really close. My oldest sister is eight years older than I am. My oldest brother is two years older than I am. And then my younger brother is four years younger than I am. But we're all really close. I love it. It seems like your mom has done very well with the four of you. Was she one who took you to church regularly growing up? Yeah, she did. We grew up in um, a church. Actually, my very first pastor was a woman. Uh, It was Urbandale Original Church of God. And then we went to Bethlehem Church of God in Christ. And then from there, you know, we were really raised just in the truth of God's word and and growing in our faith. And I, I love the fact that she took us. Now, we were at church all day on some Sundays. We were there, you know, from 830 in the morning until like, oh, my gosh, four or five at night. Sometimes we'd come back for night church. But, you know, sometimes it would feel overwhelming. But other times it was fun because all our friends were there, too. So, you know, it was a two for one. We have to go to church, but we could also hang out with our friends. So. I'm grateful because the stories that we've learned in, in, you know, Bible study and the things that we learned in Sunday school are still truths today. And I know a lot of people that, you know, once they got, you know, old enough, they strayed away. But for me, I utilize all that information to continue on and still bring back, you know, to my remembrance, those fundamental truths that was placed in me as a child. And I think that's really important. Well, at this stage of life, Lysandra, I've realized that there's no perfect church and there's no perfect pastor or model or denomination. And if there were, I wouldn't be invited. So I need to be able to look at church as brothers and sisters in Christ trying to grow in him that will trip and will fall and will make mistakes, but that's okay. So it seems like you were in a very good church environment growing up and that you had your friends there as well, which made it easier to want to spend time at the church. But when did your faith become your own? Was it like a light switch or was it a gradual process for you? Well, I remember giving my life to Christ at eight years old. I could, it was interesting. We were at church and, you know, during altar call and I would just start crying and, you know, they were like, come to Jesus. And I'm crying and crying and crying. And I just give my heart to Christ. And at that moment, I knew that I was different. I knew God had a calling on my life, but I didn't really know exactly what it was. But I think, you know, at 16, that that's when it really became something that I really wanted, you know, to invest in. And it was more than just going to church to be with my friends. It was now, you know, developing this real relationship. Again, seeing my mom at home, praying, worshiping and things like that. I wanted that relationship as well. So at that point, I was really ready to focus in on, you know, building my faith and, and developing my relationship with Jesus. And I think that's the time when I got my call to ministry as well. I know I've done a lot of other things, but this is where I've been solely focused, knowing that I wanted to have a regular job, but I also wanted to do the work that the Lord had placed in my heart. I think for some people, Lissandra, that could be a paradigm. They feel like they've got to pick one or the other. Has it been that way for you, or have the plans that God's put in your heart been in tune with the ministry that you're in today? Well, I grew up seeing that you could have both. So you could still work a regular job, and then you could still do ministry on the side. But I think it became a little different when I start going to seminary. Um, I was actually working full-time before I started 
my seminary career. And I remember I felt like the spirit of the Lord was telling me to walk away from my job and go to school full time and then focus on that. And for me, I felt like I had to let go of the job that I was doing at the time because it was you know, a little farther away than what I wanted. But I realized that the Lord gave me the ability to do the dream that I always had was to be a forensic scientist. And I had done it for three years. And so to take the time to finally let that go and then do what he's called me to do. And I love the fact that I was able to do so many other things. And now it's allowed me to, you know, go in different spaces that I thought I would have never gone into had I not um, left being a scientist to then do, you know, ministry work. And there's so many different things that you can do when you're doing ministry. You can work in so many different spaces. And I've had the opportunity to just do so many things. And I'm just grateful that, you know, when he calls you, it, it sometimes it's not just to, you know, the church, it's to care church. And, and you can go out and just encourage and inspire so many people just being, you know, his hands and feet in light and dark spaces. Great insights from Dr. Lysandra Barnes. She is the founder, president, and CEO of Royal One Enterprise, which is an empowerment company that helps women to discover their purpose, embrace their identity, and engage their faith tenaciously. And you can find out more at the website, LassandraBarnes.com, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk800.com. When we return, more with Dr. Lysandra Barnes right here on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Dr. Lysandra Barnes, who is the CEO, president, and founder of Royal One Enterprise, which is a company empowering women to help discover their purpose, embrace their identity, and engage their faith tenaciously. And Lysandra, you were telling us your mom in particular put you on a very strong academic track. And that God revealed to you that he could use you in whatever field for his glory. Was that at Michigan State? Yeah. So my degree is in medical technology. So it's laboratory science. But since ninth grade, I've always wanted to be a forensic scientist. And so when I got to Michigan State, I got the opportunity to meet um, someone who was in the forensics lab. And then I started interning there. And that was just, you know, a dream come true. And then when I moved out here, um, I start working for Legacy in their um, toxicology department. And so I was able to do that for three years. And, you know, it was interesting because while I was there, sometimes you think that you're only there for one purpose. And I realized that although I'm here to be a scientist, you're also there to be a light in dark spaces. And I met some amazing people and there were some that were, you know, struggling in their faith. And I had moments where I could talk to them about, you know, how to grow their faith and how to, you know, uh, really reconnect with Jesus. And, you know, in that time period, I just saw some transformations that happened. And I was just grateful that sometimes he will he will put you in those spaces where you need to be in secular environments to be the light. And so for me, during that time, I was able to do that. And now that I'm not in, you know, those those traditional secular spaces, but I'm still able to utilize the ministry gifts that I have working. So I still work at uh, Warner Pacific University and I work with students in higher ed. And I've been with Warner for almost um, 
think a little over four years, almost five years. And I've just been able to impact and empower and inspire so many, you know, students and not only students, but the faculty and staff as well. So no matter where God places you, I think it's important that you remember that you are the hands and feet of Jesus. So whoever encounters you, they're going to encounter Christ as well. Well, amen to that. Have you enjoyed your move from Michigan to the Pacific Northwest? And how's it been for you at Warner Pacific? So... Honestly speaking, I haven't really enjoyed my time here in the Pacific Northwest. I say it's just a completely different world than the Midwest. And so over the years, I've been here for a long time. So I've learned to adjust and I've learned to, you know, embrace most of it. Um, But overall, it's a beautiful place. Overall, I've grown the most um, in my entire life and I've been able to develop and to be a strong woman. And I think God places you in uncomfortable positions so that you can focus on stretching you to be the best person that you can be. I don't think I could be the woman that I am now had I stayed in my comfort zone. So stepping out of my comfort zone was something that really is it was an influential part of my life. I'm grateful for it. I don't think I ever wanted to leave the Midwest, but having been here for so long, I have become an Oregonian and I do appreciate that. Um, my time at Warner has been, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed uh, myself. I've worked in the science department at first, and then I moved over to student life. And I feel like when I was in student life, that's just when my life just transformed in a way where I could really have those one-on-one moments with the student and have them come into my office, have those moments where we can just really engage the word, pray with them, help them with their, you know, on their life journey and just really help them understand the education that they have. Warner is a unique place because it is a Hispanic serving institution and it does um, serve the minority students. And we lean into our Christ and our identity by doing that. And I love that. I love being able to empower those students who are coming in that, that may not be ready for college, but Warner is a place where we will you know, help them in all aspects of their lives to be prepared to compete with those who are going to bigger institutions um, and public institutions as well. So I feel like I've been able to really hone into my pastoral skills there. I've been able to, you know, hone into my coaching skills there and just utilize all the gifts that God's given me. I have students that, you know, send me messages like, hey, I have this scripture that I'm going over. or I'm working on this. Can you give me insight on this or can we pray about that? And, And I had a student that was actually Muslim. And she came to me and wanted to give her life to Christ. And for me, that was the, the biggest win that she chose me to share that moment with to, you know, give her to uh, take when she went to accept her to accept Christ as her savior and, and forsake her traditional religion. And I, you know, I said, Lord, if it was for no other reason that I can be here to do this, I, I am so grateful that he chose me to be able to empower these students in that way. Oh, I love it. Lysandra Barnes. So. There are many people that I encounter who kind of err on the extreme side when it comes to faith versus science, a distinction that they choose to make, saying, well, I believe in the Bible, therefore, and they kind of discount the importance of science. And then you have the others that say, well, I believe in fact and in science, and they kind of poo-poo the spiritual aspect. You, on the other hand, are well-versed in both. So... How do you navigate between the two or is there actually a need to? You know, I, I love this question because so many people ask me, like, how are you a preacher and a scientist? How does that work? And for me, I feel like there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to science. Now, are there some, some truths there that I don't agree with? Absolutely. But fundamentally, I believe that um, 
science is God's way of proving how he did what he said he did in Genesis. So if he says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, how did he do it? Well, science is showing us exactly how he did it. He's using math and chemistry and physics and everything. So everything that we have that we utilize in science, it's given to us by our creator. We're given to us by God. And I feel like that's just a way of showing how he did it. And so it, it proves even more that he exists because chaos can't come from nothing. Like the things that we have that's peaceful can't come out of chaos. And then I, I love the fact that, you know, God is so powerful to to know the intricate details of our bodies that now we can see what he was thinking. And so I'm not afraid of science at all. I love it. It just continues to prove how expansive and how how God's mind works. So we we don't have to just look at it more of an, an imaginary way, but we can really see, no, this is exactly how he did it. He didn't tell us in the scriptures exactly how he did it, you know, but now we can use science to say, Lord, you created science, too. Thank you for showing us how to, how you created something from nothing. I appreciate that. Lissandra, working as you do at Warner Pacific, in addition to your own company, Royal One Enterprise, in the educational field, do you ever feel like certain families almost have an aversion toward or a fear of science and academics? I do. I think it's what you speak over yourself. Um, is the way that you will embrace or, or encounter a, a subject. A lot of times we speak negatively over ourselves when we think about science and math. Um, and you say, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at science. These things are really hard. And for me, it was it was difficult to get through my my science program. I'm not going to lie about that. But I realized it was only difficult because I wasn't putting in 100 percent effort. And science and math challenges you to remove all distractions and focus in and really have to understand the material over and over and over. You can't wait to the last minute and try to cram it and just get through. Science requires you to really understand and ask for help and get that, you know, that the understanding that you're looking for. But I think a lot of times people don't want to do that and we don't want to take the time to really understand it. And we feel like it's too big for us. And when we feel like something's too big for us, we normally just shy away from it. And I think that if we could lean into the confidence of I may not know it now, but I can and keep trying and trying and trying, what seems so big before will not be as big if you take it piece by piece and not look at the whole thing, like I have to learn chemistry in one day. But if I learn one atom at a time, if I want learn one, you know, uh, pe- one thing from the periodic table at a time, one element at a time, then it seems it, it's doable at that point. But if you try and jump in all at once, it does seem overwhelming. But if you speak life over yourself and you, you know, affirm yourself saying, I can do this. I can understand this. I can have help, you know, and pray, Lord, open my understanding so that I can understand this. You've brought this in my path. So God, I'm going to trust that you're going to bring, you know, bring the understanding to my mind and also allow me to get the help that I need so that I can fulfill the task that you've called me to do as it relates to my studies. I love it, Lysandra Barnes. Prior to getting your doctorate in ministry from George Fox University and your Master of Divinity from Western Seminary, you got your Bachelor of Science degree from Michigan State. So, as a young Christian girl growing up in Michigan, how was it at the big secular university for you? You know, I knew I was going to Michigan State in eighth grade because my sister was a part of the gospel choir. That's what sold me at that point. The only reason why I went to Michigan State was for their gospel choir. And so for me, although it was, you know, a big school with like 50,000 students and you can drink and smoke and live, you know, however you want to live on campus. I went for the gospel choir. And that is where my faith 
went from, you know, small to large. It expanded in that moment. I learned not only um, about Jesus, but I learned to have relationship with him on my own. We had a gospel choir of over 100 students, no advisor. Well, we had advisor, but we never really seen them. But no one else was there but us. And we just grew our faith. We would sing and read our scripture um, and have Bible studies and prayer meetings and, and everything. So I was a part of the leadership of the, the spiritual staff. So I was like one of the chaplains of the choir. And so being around hundreds of people who love Jesus that are young and it just reinforced my time there. So I didn't want to be a part of a sorority. I didn't want to you know, go to the parties and things like that because I found my people. We all loved God. We wanted to live right. We were, you know, holding each other accountable. And that's, that's how I was able to get through. And I, I, there was just this fire in us that was just, I, I think about even now, like, man, I remember that fire that I had then. I still have fire now, but I mean, I was just zealous back then. And I, I always say, Lord, ignite that fire in me again in the same way that I had it in those college days when we would just pray all night and fast and just really seek his face for direction. Oh, my gosh. I think that was the best time of my life being in that gospel choir. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. How many people were in this gospel choir? It was over 100 students, over 100 students. And it sounds like it was pretty much self-run. So how do you decide who's singing what and song choices and things like that? So our organization had been around for years. So we had pretty, really established a, a framework and foundation. So we had an executive board. So president, vice president, you know, all those treasurer, secretary, all of those. And then we had a spiritual staff and then we had a music staff. So everyone was voted into certain positions and then some people were appointed in other positions, but everybody knew what they had to do. We had meetings weekly. We had rehearsals on, you know, Tuesday and Thursday. And then, you know, the person who was over our, our marketing person had their job. And then if we had engagements and stuff, we had to make sure all that was, you know, taken care of. So it was a self-run organization. And so everyone knew exactly what to do. And every year there would be a new group of students coming in, but then you would have someone that's been there for three other years or four years before that. So then everyone knew how to run the organization. So it was just, you know, every year we would pray if, if the seniors were leaving, we didn't know who was going to fill certain positions. We would pray, Lord, you know, who do you want to be in these certain positions? And then we would vote and then they would, you know, step into to that place. Everybody had job descriptions to know what their responsibilities were. And then you just had those who were just a part of it as just singers that weren't a part of the you know, executive board or the spiritual staff or the music staff. So everyone had a role. Everyone knew what they were going to do if you were in a you know, leadership position. So from your experience, Lysandra, do you believe that a Christian kid about to go to college for the first time can succeed without compromising his or her faith at a secular university I suppose there might be Christian colleges out there that are the exception. But in my personal experience, you know what? If you're trying to raise your kid in a bubble, even at a Christian college or university, you're not looking at things realistically. And there are people who don't believe. And there are bad influences. And there are partiers, even at the better Christian schools that I've experienced. So what are your thoughts on that? I feel like you train up a, the scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, they won't depart from it. If you place that seed in your child, when they go off to school, they may live a little bit. 
Life is the best teacher, but that's when they have to find Jesus for themselves. I've been a youth pastor for four years at Life Change, and this is a conversation I would have a lot with my students because I did go to a secular university and they were like, oh, did you do all these things? And I was like, no, because I made a choice that I didn't want to do it. Did I go to, you know, you can you are going to decide what you're going to do. I work at a college, a Christian college. Students will do whatever they want to do, regardless of how you were raised. They have to make it a choice in their minds to what they're going to do. Even if they decide to stray for a little bit, God's word in them is not going to return void. So if they're going to know exactly what they can and can't do, even if you say, forget it, I'm going to just live however I want to. There's still a point where it's like I, I think I think about the prodigal son, how he knew who he was, but he went out and lived a riotous life, did whatever he wanted to do. But there was a point where he could only go so far. And then he said, wait, I need to go back home. And that's the same thing that happens with our students, although you know, we're so afraid to let them go. But we have to let you know, life happen because that's the best teacher. And they go so far and say, wait, 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 I need to go back to Jesus. And then that's their testimony. If you never have a test, you will never have a testimony. So I think it's also important to, to believe that the word that God has given you or the lifestyle God's given you as a parent, that you've put into your children everything that they need. And when they go out there to experience life, then they'll know. Okay, I know I can only go this far. Well, I wanted to try this and this is just not my thing. And so just just still pray for them and believe that God is going to have, you know, his way in their lives. But not to be so afraid that I have to put them in this certain environment because they in that environment still may do something that, you know, maybe may not be as great. But the choices that they're going to make, they're going to make it. And then they're going to realize, yeah, that was a bad choice. And then they're going to be able to encourage someone else to say, you know what? I now understand why my mother said no, why my father said no, why I had a standard of living at home, because this is not worth it. I know that I'm worth more than this. I know that I have a call in my life. I know that God has something better for me. I'm not going to accept this low life anymore. And then now their eyes are open to the truth. And now they're serving God, not because you told them to, but because they want to. I love what you just said. If you never have a test, you never have a testimony. Great insights from Dr. Lysandra Barnes. More with Lysandra next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Dr. Lysandra Barnes. She's a Bible teacher, motivational speaker, ministry consultant, certified life and spiritual coach, and she's also the author of the book, Rejected to Accepted, Learning to Love Myself After Adversity. Lysandra, I love the experiences that you've been sharing about your education in particular, and how indeed you're in fire for the Lord at Michigan State University. That was before you went to get your MDiv at Western and your doctorate at George Fox. So now that in addition to all these other things you're doing, that you're working at Warner Pacific University, has the game of life changed for your current students as opposed to what you personally went through? You know, I think the only difference for our students is the social media aspect of life. Um, I think that's the difference is they don't know how to turn off. And we had we were in college at the beginning of of Internet. And so we still had, you know, 
phones in our, you know, the landline phones and things like that. And so everything was not online. So you could go online for a little bit, but you know, you spent more time offline than you did online. But I think for students today, their lives are consumed online. And so they miss out on the moments of just being present and having conversations without being online. I've had a few students say like, it's awkward to talk to somebody face to face without having my phone to send them a text message. And so just, just trying to have those, those face to face moments and, and get them in those and, and comfortable in that space is really interesting. But other than that, the same struggles that we had then are the same struggles that they're having now. I mean, think about it. You're going from being you know, in the home, with your parents and they're controlling your lives, not in a bad way, but the time you have to get up, the time you have to go to sleep, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, you know, all of that. When you're in your parents' home, everything, they're going to make sure your homework is done, all of that. But when you go to college, you have the first ounce of freedom to do whatever you want, however you want, when you want to, whatever you want to eat, if you want to go to class, if you don't want to go to class. And now you have decisions that you have to make that you didn't have before. And this is where the students are in their college. And they are struggling to make those decisions. Some transition pretty smooth, others don't. And I think that first year is where you really see the struggle of, I did really good in high school, but now my grades are terrible right now. Well, that's because my parents made sure that I did my homework every night. And now I'm with my friends all the time. I don't have to study and I'm waiting to the last minute. And so really trying to get them to learn that. And once they start figuring out their independence and realizing what are priorities and I have to make them myself, then we'll see that difference. And then they're still trying to come into who they are, you know, finding their own voice. What does that look like? Who, you know, what do I want to do with my life? All of that happens in college. And I think it's a it's the best experience for students because you have to develop into someone else. You're now leaving a child as being a high school student, but you're not fully an adult yet. But you're in that space of learning and making those choices for yourself. So I love the fact that I'm able to, again, walk with the students through that process and share some of my experiences that I had in college to let them know there's nothing. Nothing's new. So when they come to me with with problems and they say, oh, my roommate is doing X, Y and Z. I'm, I'm saying, oh, let me guess this happened and that happened. They're like, how did you know? I'm like, you know what? I had the same struggle in college. And so you find that common ground as well with them. And that gives them a sense of peace to know that you understand where they are. And, and you're not their parents and you're just, you know, a mentor to them or you're, you know, you're a helper to them because now they have someone to talk to that cares for them, but will not discipline them like a parent would. Lysandra, what exactly is your title at Warner Pacific and what does that entail? I am the student service and service learning coordinator. And so what I handle is student conduct. I handle the standard um, student life thing. So if you need IDs, parking passes, um, I also handle the faith and service requirement to make sure that's fulfilled. I do um, crisis management on campus if there's something happening in the residence halls. And then I also handle the service learning piece to make sure that our students are leaning into our Christ and our identity by serving our Portland neighbors. So do you have any proud moments that come to mind when it comes to your students affecting Portland positively? You know, I think about one of my students who is, she wants to be an attorney and she was so excited to be a part of a few of the campaigns that were going on. And she, you know, she's been putting herself out there to be on a campaign and she took, um, she was able to do that. And so that to me is just being able to see that. And a lot of my other students who wanted to be lawyers, they're now connecting with other um, 
organizations in the community. And I just love to see that my students, even now they're not seniors yet, but they're putting themselves out there so that they can be seen um, to fulfill the goals that they want and, and see them build their confidence. And so they know that they can do it and getting internships that they've you know applied for. And I have a student worker that she's, she's graduated, but she worked with the Girl Scouts. And every year she would come back because she would do a summer internship. She would come back in the fall and tell me all about her experiences with the Girl Scouts and how much she loved it and just how she was able to, to use the, the skills that I taught her in our office space with those young girls that she was able to lead for those summers. So that just made me feel really good. Oh, I love it. Of the various colleges that you've been to, which include George Fox University, where you got your doctorate. Western Seminary, where you got your Master of Divinity, Michigan State, where you got your Bachelor of Science, and also you do coaching, and you were certified by the New Skills Academy, which I'm unfamiliar with. So can you tell us about life coaching and what led into that? So at Western Seminary, I was introduced to coaching. They have an amazing coaching program there. I took about three, two or three classes there with coaching, and so that's when I started coaching. Um, I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to do the full degree but I wanted to include it into my program. So I was able to incorporate those classes into my, my degree. Um, and so that's when I fell in love with coaching. I loved it. And so from that point, when I started those classes, I started coaching at that point. Um, and so coaching basically is a one-on-one conversation that a person is having. And it is to allow the other person to really be a springboard for them. So what I'm doing is just allowing you to, I'm asking you uh, questions that will allow you to pull out the, the, the goals and dreams that are already on the inside of you. I'm not giving you advice. I'm allowing you to answer that for yourself. So coaching is um, it's really interesting because I found that most people, if you tell them what to do, they won't do it. But if they come up with a plan themselves, then they're more willing to do it. So all I'm doing is asking you the key questions to get your mind going, to create a plan for yourself. And I'm just going to hold you accountable to that. Um, and so I, I love it. And so with the um, with so my mission as a coach is to empower, encourage and inspire you to discover your purpose, build your self-esteem and enhance your um, faith. And your and your self worth, and so with that, um, being able to come into a space with an idea and not knowing how to execute it, I will ask you a group of questions that will help you to execute that plan. And I've had so many people come to me and say how they just enjoyed sitting with me, talking with me, and coming back weekly to get this, you know, to have this conversation because now they're able to take control of their lives. What felt so overwhelming is not overwhelming when you can create that three-point plan and we walk through each step one-on-one and then we talk about the roadblocks that may happen or we talk about the successes that you receive. And so I love it. I realized that I needed to be certified and I um, was online and I came to New Skills Academy and I was able to do their class. And it was really interesting as I'm taking the, the classes to be certified, I was like going through it really quickly because of the information that I received from Western Seminary. And I was going back and forth about if I wanted to go back and do the coaching program at Western, I would tell everyone, go to Western. If you want to be a coach, a great coach, go to Western Seminary. I think they have the best program um, for that. And I think it definitely prepares you. So I feel more prepared based off the classes that I took at Western 
Um, and, and then the education that I've learned just from reading other books that I was able to really go through that, you know, the certification because I needed it for something else. So you're incredibly well spoken, Lysandra Barnes. So as someone who has studied coaching officially, what personality traits or strengths would someone need to look into coaching as a field? Well, that's a really good question. I would say. Anyone can coach, actually. It's, I don't think it's a particular type of person or personality you need to have. I think it's just being able to ask open-ended questions and be confident in what you're called to do. I think going through a coaching, um, uh, taking coaching classes is very necessary because I think a lot of people think that coaching is counseling and or coaching is uh, advice giving. And it's neither one of those. Like, And so if you can ask a good question... You could be a coach, but I feel like taking the classes where it actually kind of helps you to frame your questions. Right. And to know what is an open ended question versus a non open ended question. I think that it gives you the confidence to be able to do it. When I first did it, I was shaking in my boots because I was like, oh, my gosh, where's my notes? Am I saying this right? Am I doing this right? And it's really like it's just a conversation. So whatever you bring to a conversation within yourself that's the strength you're going to use. And that's how you're going to connect with your clients It's just to be yourself, no matter how that is. And then finding what field that your or your expertise, what is it that you, you like? So I focus in on life, spiritual, as well as self-esteem. So those are my areas and where I focus the most because self-esteem is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I have a, a more compassionate side of me. So I can definitely understand that. Um, and I've struggled with that before. I think faith is a space where a lot of people need to figure out how to get there, you know, how to develop their relationship. And I can ask them questions, you know, to, to for them to really hone in on how they want to do that. And then with life, what's going on in your space and in your life that you want direction in. And I feel like those are three key spaces for me. But there's so many different things that you can do. I just think finding what it is that you're called to and then doing it. But if you know that you know nothing about real estate, it, it would do you no justice to be a real estate coach. Because you don't have that experience. So find the areas in which speaks the loudest to you and you see that there is an opening, then that's probably where God is calling you to. So when you are always noticing there's an area, there is an empty space. That's probably the area that you're called to. For example, if you're a musician and you're always noticing that there's a problem with the music or, or the or the song isn't right or the you know, the production team's not doing something right. Maybe you are called to that. Maybe you should get, you know, the coaching certificate so that you can go in and then partner and coach someone on how to fulfill that empty space. And I think that's a thing because a lot of times we we see we see problems or imperfections and we judge them instead of figuring out how we can step in and help them. So I think coaching allows you to be able to help someone to reach that full potential, to be able to fill that void that you may be seeing, or you step in and fill that void as well. That's a great insight, Lysandra. And if you want to use baseball for an analogy, some of the best baseball coaches of all time were not the best performing players when they were coming up. Exactly. Exactly. So it seems like you're going to be a lifelong learner, whether or not you do it at a university. So Now that you've gotten your doctorate from George Fox, are you done for a while or is there another hill for you to conquer academically? Well, I think I want to be done for now. (laughs) I want to take some time off Um, and just I would love to start doing some more teaching. Um, I teach adjunctly at 
Western Seminary. Uh, I teach Women in Pain One. Amazing class. Love it. And it offers it every two years. And so I'm done teaching. I just finished in 2019. So I'm not teaching again for another year. Um, But I would love to do some more teachings. I love that. Um, And then I'm just going to focus on building my business. And in that, I think I'm just going to be reading a lot more um, about coaching, about, you know, speaking and and, you know, different things in the word because I'm a Bible teacher. So you have to always continue to to be you know, relevant on the things that you're doing. And I also do leadership trainings. So I love the fact that I can empower and inspire leaders of churches and, and organizations, you know, to, to really help them hone in on their crafts as well. So I'm always going to be learning something because I always want to be able to give what God gives me to someone else. Lysandra, you had elaborated on your book on the Georgine Rice show. So can you give us the big picture of Rejected to Accepted, Learning to Love Myself After Adversity? Reject to Accept It is my memoir of how I overcame various issues. So fatherlessness, um, domestic violence, low self-esteem, and how I allow God's love to really put together and glue the pieces of my heart, you know, back together. And, you know, it talks about my college experience when I was involved in domestic violence and and how I overcame that. And I just love the fact that I'm just open and transparent about my relationship with Jesus. Really, that's really what it is. It's a love letter um, to Jesus it, uh, just about my journey and how he's walked with me throughout that. And how even though you can, you know, have a call in your life and be a part of the ministry and love God with all of your heart, but you still have life issues that you have to face. And in this book, I'm facing some of those issues. I'm I'm walking through practical steps on how did I learn how to love myself? How did I learn how to forgive, you know, um, my father um, feeling like he went from being present to being inconsistent to absent to being, you know, present again and then passing away, dealing with all of those emotions. How do I deal with my emotions of overcoming abuse and the shame and the guilt of that? And then how do you start over? From there and accepting God's love um, and feeling like, you know, because of these failed relationships or because, you know, all of these different variables that I'm unloved. How do I rewrite that narrative in my mind and how to just really be the woman God's called me to be even as a single woman? And I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful story of the triumphs and the victories that I face. And I I've gotten so many converse, I've had so many conversations with people, men and women alike that talk about how when they start reading that book. They are seeing themselves in those pages. They're reminded of their, you know, family issues and they're, you know, really seeking God to, to heal that. Uh, I had one man tell me that he used my book to break his addiction to um, uh, smoking. Um, and it just it was so empowering. You don't realize when God gives you something like, yes, the vulnerability of sharing my own personal story, but how many other people are impacted by that information. Well, thank you for your transparency, Lysandra, in your book and being able to share your pain to help others out. I love that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I actually, my book is the foundation of my dissertation research. And so having that transparency in this book allowed me to see that I'm not the only person that's going through those things. And so I was able to, um, 
to to research on how did father wounds affect black Christian women's identity and perception of God as father. And it just came together so well with my dissertation. And I love the fact that I was able to utilize a lot of the information that I have in, you know, from my book um, in that space and to see how in other stories of women of dissertations I was reading, they were feeling the same way. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh, Lord, this is something that you really want to heal and you want to to um, mend. And I think it's not just a black issue. It's not just a race issue. It's not just a socioeconomic issue. It's an issue that everyone experiences. It doesn't like domestic violence is an issue that everyone experiences. Um, fatherlessness is an issue that everyone experience, that can everyone can experience. And so I just know that when God has called me to the hurting, it's in various capacities and we don't need to let, you know, just to box ourselves into, oh, that's only their problem or that problem, but really saying that it's a humanity problem and we need Jesus to heal all of those things. Because of coronavirus restrictions, has that affected your coaching business at all or are you generally doing it online anyway? Well, I'm generally doing it online. Um, my business is an online business as it relates to coaching. I like to coach either on the phone or face-to-face doing like a Zoom meeting or um, Skype or something like that. I feel like that's just a lot better for me. Um, Before I would do some um, face-to-face, but I found that with scheduling and things like that, it's a lot easier just to do it on the phone and um, or online so that we we can eliminate the, um, the, the tardiness based on trying to get somewhere because of traffic. Dr. Lissandra Barnes, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for coming on Difference Makers today. It has truly been a pleasure, and congratulations on getting your doctorate. I'm so proud of you, sister. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to be here. You are an inspirational young woman who has fought through adversity, gotten incredible amounts of education from various sources, and you're also an attractive young black woman in an era where we're going through so many racial tensions, what's on your heart? What would you like to share with our audience? You know, I, this has been a very tough time. It's been a very tough time for all of us. And I do want to say that um, in light of everything that's been happening, I would pray that we open our hearts and open our ears to actually hear what is being said by those who are hurting. I think about the parable um, that Jesus told to the lawyer about the Good Samaritan and how everyone walked past the guy who was hurting except for the Samaritan. And he took care of him. He bandaged him up and he, you know, made sure that he was good. Now, I'm not asking you to bandage and fix it. What I'm asking you to do is educate yourself on the things that that you're afraid of. The narratives of black people in this country have been derogatory. So educate yourself to see why that why we are saying the things that we are saying. If you hear Black Lives Matter, they're not saying that your life does not matter. What they're saying is because I because of the injustices that are happening, can you see my life and can you care that I'm being treated inappropriately? I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is that if someone is saying that if your house is on fire, you won't say, well, you need to, you know, make sure the house across the street gets water, too. But that's not the house that needs it right then. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we see that Jesus went to those who were hurting to make sure that they were well. 
And I think right now he's challenging us in this space to really walk alongside to say, where is where is the areas where I'm wrong? Where's the areas where I need more education? And then from that space, how can we make it so everyone is being seen as a person of God made in his image? It doesn't matter what their color is. It doesn't matter. Right is right and wrong is wrong. If it was your child that this happened to, would you say the same thing? Would you give the excuse that they should have done this? They should have done that. This shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't have happened. Or would you be, would you want justice? Would you want someone to um, treat you like a human being? And I think that's all that they're saying. That's all we're saying is treat us like human beings. Yes, the, the, the way that we got here was not great at all. But respect the fact that we are human beings. And I think if we come with that compassion and we come with that understanding that God has called us all to be equal, all to be equal, the same experiences that you receive, we should receive as well. And and not in a separate way, not in one that's greater than the other, but just really saying, oh, my gosh, we have work to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. Every side has work to do. But I think that's the cry of so many is that can you hear what we're saying? Am I your neighbor? We love Jesus. We quote it all the time. But now in the moment where God is asking us to deny ourselves and pick up the cross and follow him, that means we have to get in there in the, in, and help out those who are hurting. Jesus said, I didn't come to those who are well. I came for the sick. I came to, to heal those who are sick and brokenhearted and downtrodden. These are the people who are downtrodden that are saying, please help me. Help me to say this is we need to change. We need to do what's right. And we're trying to do it in a way of love. But if we always see the negative of it, then we're not going to grow. Everyone wants to be heard. But can you take one moment and hear what they're saying? Give the same grace that you want to be given. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. Yes, you may have had these experiences that weren't great or whatever. But forgive. Forgive and say, Lord, touch my heart. Help me. And I may not understand what they're going through, but help my heart so that I so that, that I can help in a way that everyone's being treated fairly. I hope you hear my heart in these words. Thank you. Check out her book, Rejected to Accepted. Find out information on how to buy the book at LassandraBarnes.com, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk800.com. Dr. Lassandra Barnes, thank you so much for sharing with us. I really appreciate your insights and your ability to articulate them as a Christian, strong, educated black woman. You've done great. And I thank you for that and being an inspiration to so many of us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so grateful to God to even give me the opportunity to even be on your show right now. I'm just so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. So thank you again. Want to plug your brand new podcast? Yes. So next month I will be launching the Royal One podcast. It will be um, on all of the podcasting platforms. I'm really excited about it. It is um, going to be a place where I empower you the royal way. So I'm going to be giving you a lot of life experience, uh, life tips. We're going to be looking at current events. And then we're also going to be looking at some um, scripture as well. So I'm really excited to just lay out some of the things that I do with Royal One in that podcast. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be in a great, empowering session. Looking forward to the latest from Dr. Lysandra Barnes. Thanks so much again, Lysandra. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Mm-hmm.